Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next edition of the Next Level Inside Industry Podcast. I'm here with Andy Babb, the Executive Vice President at Super League Gaming, a company I am super excited about. Um, quick background on Andy. He previously was the Director of Business Development at both Sega and Take-Two Interactive. He was the President at Infusio, a French mobile game publisher back in the J2ME and Brew days. And if any of you remember that, you're as old as as we are. Um, he was most recently the president of Brandissimo. I uh, worked on um, all the youth video games in the NFL for over eight years. Um, and as I mentioned, he's currently the executive vice president at Super League Gaming. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, hey, Manny, thanks for having me. I love TNL and I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. And your check is in the mail for that compliment. I appreciate it. So I'm not going to ruin it for the audience. Why don't you go ahead and tell us like, what exactly is Super League Gaming? Well, fantastic. Super League Gaming. Uh, is amateur city-based video game competition that occurs in movie theaters. So we're setting up teams in cities all across the country, the Los Angeles Shockwaves, the Dallas Dynamite, the Chicago Force, the Miami Menace, where we get 60 to 80 to 100 gamers who all share that passion for their game. They come into the movie theater where they're sitting in the comfy seats and watching their gameplay on the big screen, and they're competing against teams at the exact same time and the other movie theaters in a city versus city competition. I mean, that sounds amazing. Now, talk about the games that you guys are currently working with, um, the publishers, and then more importantly, who's the audience is actually showing up? Sure, we're working with two games right now. We're working with Minecraft, Microsoft, and Mojang, and then also with League of Legends in a partnership with Riot. And so the audiences for both games are different. And what we have is. Um, the dynamic in the movie theater, it turns out, is fun no matter what age you are. It just depends on what game you like to play. So with Minecraft, we're typically seeing kids in that 8 to 13 range. And with League of Legends, we're seeing players anywhere from 16 to 30. Wow, that's that's amazing. So you got a good demographic across the board across both games. So that's really good to know. You know, what I love about your business model is really the use of, you know, what I like to call, you know, underused assets, you know, because example, you know, you work with movie theaters and for potentially on either a Friday night or a Saturday morning, they could be showing, you know, a third week run movie where it may not be generating that much revenue. So, you know, you're bringing additional revenue, additional audience, you know, to these new companies. How do theaters feel about working with you and what are their returns so far that you could talk about with Super League Gaming? Many of the theater partners love it for the exact reasons you say, and that's because we're putting butts in the seats at times when they're otherwise empty. So uh, they, they love this. They love gaming as um, a, a big future part of their business. And so we're in business with Cinemark, who's actually a, one of our investors, and with AMC and uh, 10 other theater chains in the U.S., and we've done tests in China with Wanda, who's very interested as well. So um, from the theater perspective, uh, they love it and they've been great partners. That's awesome. That's really, really great to see. So what are the parents doing while their kids are playing? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have an eight-year-old son who is obsessed with Minecraft. And, you know, I, I can I can take Minecraft off to a certain level now. For example, if he was playing Madden or FIFA, was in a tournament, would I watch it? You know, I'll be biased. I probably could. I don't know if I could watch four hours of Minecraft. So what are the parents doing while the kids are playing? So, uh, well, with League of Legends, you'd be surprised. Actually, some parents do come and they, they watch the whole gameplay. It's, it's a very... Uh, that I could see. That. I could see that. 
And then um, we obviously we get more parents with the Minecraft crowd. And really, they do one of two things. Uh, one is they stay and watch a lot of the times. Uh, I think the dynamic is at home, wow. they might not feel comfortable standing over their kid's shoulder and watching them play. But in the movie theater, they can be a part of their kid's passion. And so um, we'll see a lot stay in the movie theater. And then a lot will go out to the, um, to the lobby in the concessions area, uh, where a lot have a lot of new theaters these days have bars. And we'll see parents have a glass of wine where the kid spends two hours playing Minecraft. I mean, that's fantastic. Again, you know, another revenue stream that they potentially may not have gotten if they were just going to show, you know, a normal run movie. So, again, you know, I, I love your model. So you've got two of the biggest games around. I mean, definitely the number one esport with League of Legends. I mean, that's clearly clear. And then, you know, I'm going to tell a quick story that I say on every speech or every or every panel that I'm on, which is, you know, when I was eight years old and I got home from school, I did my homework and then I watched, you know, Scooby-Doo on television vision, you know, at a certain time on a certain channel. My eight-year-old son, after he gets home from school and finishes his homework, you know, for his media consumption that he's allowed to do, it's 99% YouTube Minecraft videos. Like, unless you have kids, it's very hard to grasp, I believe, the power that Minecraft has over this audience and over the ability, you know, to really educate, you know, kids going forward. So, is that why your first game was Minecraft? And talk about where you see the game going the next five years or so. Yes, that's, that's exactly why the game was first Minecraft. It started off with one of our founders, uh, John Miller, whose child was playing uh, Little League Baseball, and he was the kid who sat in the outfield and picked the grass and watched the butterflies go by, and he would go home every day and play Minecraft. And the light bulb went off in John's head that he should start leagues for Minecraft players, and then the idea was further evolved to have those leagues compete in movie theaters. So that that's exactly where where we started and where we were coming from in, in beginning with Minecraft and where I see it going in the next five years uh, really is two directions and one is is well on its way with Microsoft and Mojang and that is their EDU initiative. Um, I think Minecraft is going to be a big part of schools and only keep growing for them um, and all for good reasons too, which is great. And the second area where I think it's going involves us a lot and that is the competitive gaming is you're going to see a lot of um, competitive Minecraft gaming over the next five years. Yeah, that's really interesting because it's really been, you know, the Minecraft personalities that have really taken off and sort of, you know, competitive Minecraft or Minecraft as a true esport. I mean, granted, you know, obviously there's, there's fighting elements in there, you know, that hasn't really taken off. So I think, I think that's interesting. Now, I, I think, you know, one thing that, you know, you touched upon that I think is really critical going forward is really the education aspect and especially like code.org. You know, again, my eight year old talk about my eight year old son, you know, he finished it in, I think, you know, two days or so. And it's fantastic they're learning coding, you know, through Minecraft, you know, through gameplay, which is phenomenal. Um, do you think that, you know, I believe so. I believe in the next five years that Minecraft, maybe five to 10 years will be a requirement almost um, in, say, you know, elementary school um, for kids, you know, to, to, to learn or to learn coding or computer science. How do you feel about that? Oh, I absolutely agree with you. And I, I think um, computer programming should be a language that is taught in schools alongside any other foreign language. And so I think uh, Minecraft is a way to engage kids in education and in learning a new language. Uh, that's critical, I think, for the future. Um, absolutely the way to go. Yeah, I know. Perfect. Um, so let's move on to back to your your leagues initiative, because I think it's really interesting. You know, it's fascinating 
that, you know, while Blizzard got all the attention for you know, starting, you know, this huge Overwatch National League, it's going to be international, it's going to be massive, it, just like the NFL, which is literally what I wrote. Um, you know, you've already established it with teams like the Miami Menace, which is my team because I'm from Miami, and the Chicago Force. Um, so esports grew up in the digital sphere where the notion of geography is, you know, technically eliminated. So do you feel that the U.S. is ready for city-based esports? Well, I do. And it's really what Super League is all about. We think that it's an area that hasn't been used in esports um, that fits in very well with our model of, of having a physical location and being the movie theater. And to give you just a, a few examples of whether the U.S. is ready, um, we just launched our first four teams in our first season back in November. And for the Los Angeles Shockwaves, we had several players come up from San Diego every week driving up the 405 freeway, which is gruesome. We had one player drive from Sacramento to LA every week to be a part of this <laughs> team. And it happened in all four cities. In Dallas, we had people driving in from San Antonio. In Miami, we had people driving in for Orlando. So um, people were very excited to represent their city and be a part of a, a city champs team. Wow, that, that that's really, really interesting, you know, because it's you feel like, you know, you, you look at the lot, lot of teams and they're from the players from all over, especially teams nowadays that are playing and, you know, you're talking six, seven, maybe even eight different games. Um, they're from all over and you look internationally where Chinese players play on, you know, the South Korean teams and vice versa. And, you know, there, there's a cultural difference. So you, the, you believe that the audience is here. And are you guys going to expand beyond the four cities anytime soon? Uh, absolutely. That's a great question. We are going to expand. We will be announcing our next eight cities uh, in just a few weeks. Eight. Wow. So, yeah. So we'll be up to 12 at least for our, our second season. And we'll keep growing beyond that. That's fantastic. Congratulations. And do you sell uh, like team jerseys? Yeah. So everybody has a jersey. We'll be launching apparel and merchandise behind these branded teams, um, the, the full shebang. So we're really trying to develop an audience um, of video game enthusiasts who like to play together and competitively. That's that's awesome. I, I think that's fantastic. So listen, we've talked about Minecraft. We've talked about League of Legends. Again, you've got two of the, the biggest, you know, just games out there in general without any publisher issues or business development deals. If you could just snap your fingers and have any game you wanted next, what would that game be? I can't tell you that because we actually do have the game I want next all lined up. It just hasn't been announced yet. Um, the bad news is that we... Oh, that's not fair, Andy. That's not fair. Um, the bad news is that we won't launch it until the second half of 2017 um, because we'll spend this first half launching those 8 to 12 new cities and then also making sure we really nail down the city champs aspect of, of both Minecraft and League of Legends before we launch a third game after that. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a call. I'm just going to say it's going to be a Blizzard title. Let's leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, all right. So in my 2016 review, I put together a graphic showing, you know, 50 non-endemic brands from across the space that have spent in esports, uh, you know, auto, insurance, CPG, 
uh, and beverage. Uh, and, you know, Coke has now done several sponsorships with viewing parties slash content and theaters. They did it with Overwatch and they most recently did it with League of Legends. Um, how's your conversation with brands gone? And can you share anything on future partnerships with future brands with Super League Gaming? Because, you know, you have a very captive audience. It seems like something that, you know, brands would want to tap into. Yeah, Coke also actually just did a, a week and a half ago uh, viewing parties for the Smite World Championships as well. And uh, I went to the one in LA and they had 150 people in there. It was packed. The energy's unbelievable. Everybody's got their thunder sticks. Those things are tons of fun to go to uh, if you get the chance uh, later on this year. And I can't really talk about specifics right now of the conversations we're having along the um, sponsorship area. But what brands like is that we have a captive audience for a good two, two and a half hours where they're all watching the screen and they want to be entertained. So even ads done right are very entertaining in movie theater and, and brands are interested in yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at, you know, just the the Arby's Counter-Strike ad, which is, I think, you know, fantastic because they nailed it and they knew who the audience was. If you could produce content like that, I think, you know, your captive audience will eat it up. You know, so let's end with, uh, you know, a final uh, two-part question, uh, which is, you know, you re- recently received $5 million in funding. Congrats on that, by the way. Um, and one of the investors was Axiomatic, the super group of investors led by Peter Guber and Ted Leonsis that recently bought eSports squad Team Liquid. Um, Goober is the co-owner of three professional sports teams, the 2015 NBA champion Warriors, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Los Angeles Football uh, LAFC. Mandalay Entertainment Group continues to release major motion pictures to the, to the world globally yearly. Now, Leonces owns the Capitals, the Wizards, the Mystics, the Valor, and the Verizon Center. So I've said many times on why sports teams are investing, and some are really starting to play catch-up. So here's a two-part question to end it. Um, why do you feel pro sports teams are investing in esports, and why is Europe so much further ahead than the U.S.? Right. First of all, we are so excited to have Axiomatic on board with us. They have just been um, great. You just can't ask for um, bigger names or, or uh, better, well-connected people to, to help you build a business. So that's really exciting for us. And as to why the, all the pro sports teams are getting in, um, I think the main reason is that um, esports and competitive gaming is for real. I mean, they see the numbers. They see that young consumers today are devouring esports content online through Twitch and YouTube gaming and, and everywhere else uh, on a daily basis for hours every day. It's unlike anything they've ever seen. And the ones who are on top of things right now are getting into it. And, and as you mentioned, that seems to be uh, the NBA for the most part, which I think might have a tie into. They've also got um, the smaller arenas than Major League Baseball and the NFL might have. So um, perhaps there's a tie in there. Uh, so so that's why I think pro sports teams are getting in because they see it's the future. And as to why Europe is so much further ahead than the U.S., I don't know. And maybe it's because there, there's something in their croissants that, that gives them a, a little bit better view on the future. Um, you know, it could be that the, the, the bigger U.S. leagues um, are a little more uh, slow and a little more entrenched, a little more um, inclined to try and protect their current business, whether to look for the future. But um, you know, as I say that, I think it doesn't really hold much water because the European teams are pretty big organizations themselves. And then you also look at things like what Major League Baseball is doing on the digital end. And you can see that that at least some leagues are, are looking towards the future in that digital end. So um, I think the U.S. the U.S. will catch up. Um, 
uh, I think it'll just continue to grow because esports, as you know very well, Manny, um, it, it's just shooting forward like no one's business right now. So uh, the U.S. sports teams will catch up. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. And I think this year is you'll finally start to see them, you know, catch up, you know, greatly to Europe where they're now currently trailing, I think, uh, 28 to, to four, I think is the current count between Europe and US in terms of pro sports teams investments. So Andy, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Congrats again on the funding and the growth and look forward to hearing, um, that Blizzard title you're going to announce in a couple months. Uh, Manny, thanks a lot and take care. Absolutely.